And hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 70 of the weekly Yes And podcast. I'm your host, Travis Thomas. Episode 70, the big 7-0. Wow. <clears throat> Hard to believe. And uh, sort of in a different fashion today, um, this is a solo cast where uh, I just kind of wanted to sit down, talk about a few ideas that I am thinking about, share some recap or some feedback from my recent trip out to Los Angeles area uh, to attend a conference, uh, do some work, stay with some people, and uh, just how much fun, uh, how inspiring that was, uh, some takeaways from that as well. And uh, just kind of bookend this podcast with uh, two experiences that happened, one on the flight out and the other on the flight back. So if you follow me uh, at LiveYesAnd or LiveYesAnd.com, if you are a member of my newsletter, you would have received my newsletter called uh, I Witnessed Something Magical, uh, or Tonight I Witnessed Something Magical. And so... I was leaving Fort Lauderdale, <clears throat> flying the first leg uh, from Fort Lauderdale to Nashville, and uh, I got on the plane at Southwest, so you know it's not assigned seats, it's open seating. And I sat down on the aisle, because my 6'4 body prefers the aisle to get those legs stretched out so that the beverage cart can uh, run into my knees every five minutes, which I just love. I love that. But it does give me some room to stretch out a little bit compared to A, being stuck in the middle seat, which none of us want, uh, or B, I don't mind the window seat, but uh, Travis has a small bladder. And so uh, on a long flight, a little bit of nervousness about having to use the restroom. And you know, if that guy is asleep next to you, you don't want to wake him up. So a little anxiety on that, just to give you a window into my world about how I approach things. So I want that aisle seat. So there was a couple already sitting in the middle seat and the window seat, and they were an older couple, I'd say they were in their 70s. So uh, the seat was open on the aisle. I sat down and I took it. And uh, as we were sort of taxiing, uh, I could see that the wife was pretty anxious. She was kind of rocking back and forth and um, her body language was uh, was really anxious. And the husband, this sweet, gentle man, he reminded me of my grandfather, who actually passed away a few years ago, just a really, just a real sweet, calm, selfless presence to him. And he was caressing her arm, <clears throat> speaking softly, peacefully to her, and uh, uh, getting her water, and just meeting every single need. And so... Uh, as they're doing that, and I was, this is just kind of my MO. This is how I was raised. This is my spirituality. When I find myself in a situation where uh, maybe I'm a little anxious or if I'm noticing anxiety um, around me, I go to prayer. And I just kind of close my eyes. And prayer for me is, uh, is recognizing the oneness uh, and the completeness of the universe. So recognizing that there is one source or God, uh, one power that is love, that is surrounding and encompassing everyone and everything. So if I had to sum up what prayer is to me, that would be it. And so I was sitting there kind of feeling this anxiety. So I was just kind of going to love. I was surrounding the whole plane in love. I was surrounding this couple in love and just not trying to force peace because I believe peace is already there. 
what I was wanting was, A, for me to feel a sense of peace and for them to feel that same sense of peace and comfort. So we took off, we got up into the air, and uh, they got up to use the restroom. So I, I stood up, and I'd already kind of shared a few kind of words with him, and uh, the flight attendant had come by and asked if everything's all right, and he said, yeah, it's fine. She, she just has Parkinson's disease. And so he and I shared a few words. <clears throat> they went to the back of the plane. We were near the front of the plane, and they went to the back of the plane to use the restroom, came back, and they sat down. And he kind of joked with me, kind of broken English. He's like, I didn't realize there was a bathroom in the front of the plane. Uh, But he said, you know, the walking helped her out. It kind of relaxed her a little bit. So they sat back down. And again, his nature was amazing. So patient, so kind, so meek and gentle, uh, caressing her arm, talking to her, getting her water. He took out the, uh, (laughs) the info card and was just fanning her was just fanning her nonstop, getting her comfortable. He just was doing everything he could to meet her needs. And there was such a selfless sense of, um, of peace to it. He didn't look burdened. He didn't look anxious. He didn't look put out. He didn't look frustrated, discouraged, tired. It was just kind of like, this is what I do. <laughs> this is who I am. This is how I show up. And it was so amazing to witness. And, I, and I, I spent a lot of time on that flight, not trying to get work done, which I typically would. I just sat there um, appreciating the beauty of that moment. And uh, I was actually reading a book. Uh, I was reading a book. It's John Gordon's The Energy Bus. I'm supposed to have John on the podcast here in a month or so. So I'm reading The Energy Bus, which is all about your energy, your positivity, and just recognizing my energy the collective energy, but his energy towards his wife. And so, you know, at one point I leaned over to him and I said, hey, if there's anything I can do for you guys, just let me know. And he's like, you know, uh, we were in to see the doctor the other day and they got her medication wrong. So I'm assuming that's why maybe she was um, uh, sort of out of sorts. And I said, yeah, no worry, just let me know. So we went up on the flight, uh, she calmed down, she fell asleep and he just kept caressing her the whole time. And um, we landed, and, and uh, I was getting ready to get up, and uh, he leaned over to me, and actually she grabbed my arm from across his lap. She grabbed my arm, and he said to me, she just wants to thank you. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, for what? I mean, it's, I didn't tell them I was you know, going to sit there and pray, and all I did is tell him once, if there's anything I can do, let me know. And so she grabbed my arm, and he said, she just wants to say thank you. And I just looked at her, and we, we just caught this nice moment uh, looking at each other. And I just smiled, and there was just a moment of connection, you know, to use the uh, namaste, I see you. You know, I could see her, and I think she could see me. <clears throat> so I went upon my flight, caught my next connection, and, and finished my trip. And so that's sort of how the trip started off. And I say that because when I am at my best, <clears throat> that is the level of presence I try to bring <laughs> to situations. <laughs> I laugh because I would love to say I walk through my day that way, but I don't. But when 
those moments do show up, I'm like, okay, that's what you're capable of. You know, that's the level of patience and love and compassion, you know, I aspire to bring to every situation. You know, I know that I'm not going to, but that's what I aspire to. But it was a wonderful way for me to start the weekend off because I was going to be spending two and a half days at Hero Training 101 with Brian Johnson. For those of you who don't know Brian Johnson, he is the author of The Philosopher's Notes. Read that book. Highly recommend it. He has um, the website, which is optimizer.me. Please check out this site. So basically what Brian has been doing for about 15 years is he reads a great um, work of literature um, from philosophers to the classics to modern day books to the positive psychology, leadership books, um, performance books, basically the wheelhouse of all the books I love. And he reads a book within a few days and then he synthesizes all the key ideas into some action um, practical steps or tools for us to use. And then he, he does a video sharing this. And he's been doing this for like 10 years. So hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not a thousand of these videos um, called Philosopher's Notes TV. Uh, you can see most of them on YouTube for free. But now he has a new platform, which is a subscription platform. But it's only basically $10 a month, which I'm a member of. Um, this is not a, uh, I, I'm not making any money off of this recommendation, but think of it, they just launched the beta. It's like an, a Facebook for positivity. And just so you guys know, there is going to be a time here in the not so distant future where I will be off of traditional social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And I think I'm just going to be living on the Oasis, which is what his uh, online community is called because... It is just a space where it's people in the world who are trying to do great things positively. No politics, no negativity, uh, no, uh, not to be mean, pathetic cries for attention. Uh, people who are just supporting one another and trying to do good in the world. That is where I want to live mentally. That's where I want to live spiritually. It's where I aspire to live physically. And so in an age, and we talked a lot about social media at his conference, and basically it was him on stage for two and a half days talking about heroes training, uh, best tools, best practices for bringing more peace and purpose into our lives. And he just answered questions. And uh, social media came up a ton. And I want to share this idea with you. At one point, there's about <clears throat> close to 300 people at the event. And at one point, you know, he was saying that... Um, the biggest source of stress and anxiety is comparison, right? We know this. When we compare ourselves to others is where most of our stress and anxiety comes from. And social media is comparison on steroids, right? You get on, you check your feed, you check what other people are up to. Uh, I do the same thing. I mean, I have my Instagram feed for at Live Yes And is <clears throat> it's my business. It's my business brand. So I try to post positivity and, you know, look professional and look good and post the work that I'm doing. And I'm sure at times it has a hint of, oh, look at all the awesome stuff I'm doing, which is probably intentional because I'm trying to, you know, um, look credible so that I can book more work and have more benefit. But it does suck us all into, wow, look at how well so-and-so is doing. And we don't really know how well they're doing. It's because we're always putting our our best foot forward on social media, which isn't always the most authentic and vulnerable and real. 
So he shared this analogy, and I can't remember if this was his or someone who wrote this, but he said, a thousand years ago, there, he says, there are more people in this room right now than you would know in a lifetime. So think about that. You know, For two and a half days, I was sitting in a room with 300 people, not a big deal, but he's like, a thousand years ago, that's more people that you would know in a lifetime. And he's like, so the focus back then wasn't in comparison of trying to show everyone else how awesome you were <laughs> to, to prop up your status, to make yourself feel more significant or important. That just wasn't a focus. Instead, your, your, your goal or intention was on how can I contribute to this community? See a huge difference that is not how important can I be, but how can I be a contribution? And when you think about uh, religious uh, traditions, when you think about different cultures where their rites of passage into adulthood is centered around being a contribution, not attaining a level of status or importance. And so I think that's so direly missing in our Western culture. So just that idea. And so it really kind of hit me hard. I'm like, yeah, it's about contribution. You know, when I'm when I'm feeling in a funk, it's about comparison. I'm stuck comparison myself to look how successfully someone else is doing compared to just going, huh, what can I do to be a contribution today? And that, that can be instant. I can do that with my wife, with my kids, with a neighbor, with the person I run into in the coffee shop. I can be a contribution like that. But if I'm always comparing myself, like, oh my gosh, look at how many followers they have, or look at that awesome conference they just spoke at. Why aren't I speaking at that event? Why hasn't anyone called me to do a TEDx event yet? Shameless plug, I am available for TEDx talks. Um, And so we are in this comparison mindset, which just spirals us into a funk. No matter how awesome your life is, you will find someone else online who seems to have a better life. So it's endless. So I loved, I loved that idea. So one of my big takeaways from the weekend was, Travis, your focus is on how can you be a contribution, not comparing yourself to others. Are you with me? Are you with me? I hope you are. Another huge idea is one of the first things that we started the weekend off with. People were asking, um, and again, I think if I were to politically take a poll of most of the people at this event, there would not have been a lot of Trump supporters. Take that for what you like, uh, for a, a conference based on uh, positivity, inspiration, and creativity. I think there was a lot of angst and frustration in the room over our current political situation, but that's neither here nor there. <clears throat> the point was people were feeling like when you feel stuck and helpless, like what do you do? Like it's easy to get online and be critical and, and just... Um, uh, add more fuel to the divisiveness. And uh, he shared a quote, Brian shared a quote, which is a Michelangelo quote, which I love, which is, criticize by creating. If you've got a problem, <clears throat> instead of just criticizing, instead of just being negative, instead of being toxic with your words and with your actions, criticize by creating. And I think we're actually seeing that uh, big time right now, criticized by creating. It's whether you agree or not with the current political situation, people are stepping up and they're getting involved and they're wanting to do more. And hopefully what they're wanting to do more is uh, 
positively driven, um, but it is criticizing by creating. And I love that. Don't tell me what you don't like. Do something about it and uh, create, create, create. So criticize by creating compliments of Michelangelo, which uh, which I hear did a few things back in his day. Um, and uh, again, just um, another takeaway for me for the weekend is to just continue to make my purpose bigger than myself. That kind of goes into that contribution versus comparison mindset. You know, my purpose is to, which this has been my purpose for a while, which is to inspire myself and others to live joyously, peacefully, and triumphantly in yes or on purpose. So when I focus on my purpose, I tend to focus my attention and my intention on really inspiring work. When I get caught up comparing myself, uh, I become petty and my work becomes disjointed and petty as well. And it got me thinking about, got me thinking about a few awesome examples of people who when they made their purpose bigger than themselves, the work that they accomplished was transformational. The easy ones to think about, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, uh, Jane Goodall, all these people that their purpose was not about them, it was about helping others bigger than themselves. And what you are able to endure when you run into adversity is because your purpose is bigger than yourself. And if it's only about you, when the going gets tough, the tough will quit. No matter how strong you are, if it's only about you, you will reach your um, breaking point if it's only about you. It reminds me of the classic story of Babe Ruth hitting the home run for the, the sick child in the hospital, right? Playing for a reason bigger than yourself. John O'Leary, who has become a friend and a hero of mine, shares the story of him being in the hospital, you know, fighting for his life when not only Jack Buck and all these amazing people showed up, but Gino Cavallini of the St. Louis Blues, not a goal scorer, but a fighter, <laughs> showed up in John's room and said, kid, I'm going to try to score a goal for you tonight. To which John said, let's be realistic. Just get into a fight for me. <laughs> and how cool is it that that night against the hated Detroit Red Wings, which I forgive you as a diehard Red Wings fan, but against the Red Wings, not only did Gino get into a fight, he also scored the game-winning goal in the third period, and the whole team came to the hospital and celebrated that night. <clears throat> Make your purpose bigger than yourself. Michael Jordan breaking down in tears after winning his fourth NBA title, the first one after his father had been murdered, breaking down in the locker room because he was playing for his father. Um, uh, and example after example after example. Tom Brady, this year's Super Bowl, everyone thought that the Super Bowl victory was going to be his way of basically sticking it to Roger Goodell for deflate gate, right? This is his chance to just stick it out of hatred, out of anger, out of frustration, to win it so that you could stick it in Goodell's face. But as he broke down in tears after the game, who did he win the game for? He won the game for his mother, who is recovering or actually fighting cancer. The Super Bowl was the first game she attended all year. So when they were stuck and getting their butts kicked and his head was down on the sidelines, his head was not down thinking, poor me. It was thinking, this is not the way I'm going to play for my mother's game this year. 
And they came back, they won the Super Bowl. He was driven by love, bigger than himself, not by fear, not by anger, not by selfishness. <clears throat> what is your purpose and is it bigger than you? So let's bookend this Travis solo cast for the day. Um, my flight back on the first flight, this time it was LA to Dallas, a little bit of a longer first leg, a three hour flight. And again, I got on, was able to secure an aisle seat. Yes, rock on with the leg room. And uh, they did say it was a full flight. So two people were getting on. They might've been the last two people. I think a husband and wife, he was a big dude. And he had a dog, like a, a small dog, similar to our dog. Actually, his dog and our dog had like the exact same faces um, in the little pet carrier. And uh, they got back, there was like two seats left the middle seat next to me and the middle seat behind me. So they went to the guy behind me and asked him if he would mind sitting in the middle seat so that he could sit down on the aisle seat with his dog underneath his legs for a little more room. And the guy, I get it, the guy says, no man, I need to have the aisle seat. All right, so Travis, being in a good mental space, you like how I'm referring to myself in third person? Travis, being in a good mental space, says, hey guys, um, I will sit back in that middle seat so that you two can sit side by side up here and put the dog, you know? And they're like, wow, thank you so much. And I was like, sure, right? I actually had a lot of work I wanted to do. <laughs> and so to me, this was a huge sacrifice, but I'm like, you know what? That's fine. So I went back to the middle seat. The guy on the aisle who said no to them immediately apologized to me. I think, you know, he kind of felt bad, like, oh, I said no, and this guy said yes. <laughs> oh, and he happens to be 6'4", and I'm like six feet. So uh, his conscience kicked in a little bit. I was like, hey, man, don't worry about it, no big deal. So uh, I quickly realized that sitting in the middle seat, I would not be getting any work done, let alone um, using my computer, because I had a large gentleman on my right, and the guy to my left uh, pulled his hoodie down and uh, tried to sleep through the flight. I, had, I couldn't move my arms. I could barely, I was like a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex trying to turn pages. Just do that right now. Uh, bring your elbows in, stick your hands out, and try to like turn the pages of a magazine. Yeah, you look silly, you feel stupid. So I could basically kind of work my way through a magazine, which, shameless plug, I'm reading Spirituality and Health magazine, great magazine. And what article do I find? But my good friend, soul sister, Janessa Gans from the Euphrates Institute has an article in there about the Euphrates Institute. It's amazing, it's fantastic. Maybe that was the blessing of my trip um, was because I would have been on my computer instead of reading her amazing article. So there you go, a nice little blessing. At the end of the flight, they stood up. I showed them a picture of my dog and they're like, oh wow, yeah, he looks just like our dog. And they thanked me again, and I was on my way. And so, you know what? I was filled up with so much inspiration from the weekend. And I think that's, that's the difference. <clears throat> from a yes and mindset, one of the mantras, one of the goals, I talk about it all the time, is your goal is to make your partner look brilliant or a genius, however you want to say it. On a basic level, your goal is to make each other look good. And how do you make each other look good? You can only make each other look good when you are looking and paying attention to the needs of others. But to use the term of a, my friend Christy, if, we are, if our heads are down and we are navel-gazing, 
basically just thinking about our own needs, right? Comparing ourselves to others instead of thinking about how to contribute. If we're only thinking about our needs, we are constantly missing the opportunity to make others look brilliant. And when I do that, I feel really good about myself, regardless of the amount of work that I'm doing. When I am navel-gazing and thinking of myself, it feels really crummy. And so the solution is always easy, to think about the we instead of the me, to make each other look brilliant, to think about my purpose, which is also part of my book, <laughs> three words for getting unstuck, live yes and, uh, is to be bigger than yourself. So a couple of helpful reminders there. So there you have it, everybody. Uh, the bookends for this podcast were my two flights and the inspiration that came as a result. want to spend a, a special thank you out to the Principia College Women's Soccer Team for buying my book and uh, putting it on their summer reading list. A big yes and to them. For those of you, if you want to find my book, Three Words for Getting Unstuck, Live Yes And, go to Amazon and you can purchase it from there. And lastly, I'm starting a new program mid-May, I think May 15th. It's going to be called 10 Days to Get Unstuck. So I'm going to take a chapter a day for 10 days from my book, give you some key insights to that chapter, and then we're going to give everyone one assignment for the day based on the concept from that chapter to help get unstuck. It's $20. Be a part of this pilot group. Should be a lot of fun. You'll have access to me um, uh, for, as a coaching uh, perspective. And... Um, it should be a lot of fun. So go to my website, liveyesand.com, click on events. You will find it there. And one more thing I want to offer to people is this great idea I'm thinking about, and I'm calling it uh, a 30-minute clarity call. If you could get clarity on a big question in your life in 30 minutes, would you do it? And for $75, no less. So it is a fraction of a price of an hour coaching call. And for 30 minutes uh, beforehand, you will sort of outline the issue that you're talking about so that we can get on the coaching call and dig right into it and get some clarity in 30 minutes. So a 30-minute clarity coaching call. Uh, and so that's what I'm going to pilot this summer as well. If you're interested in that, reach out to me at uh, liveyesand.com or follow me at liveyesand on social media. And uh, so, hey, this May, let's get unstuck. Let's do some clarity coaching and uh, let's get out there and make each other look brilliant. That's it for me, guys. Um, have a wonderful, wonderful yes and day. I don't think so. Going back to Cali, styling, profiling, smiling, wilding the sun.